Stay tuned now for Citizen You with Mari Roden. Good morning, Mari. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Citizen You, a forum for exploring in-depth local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy and, with that, your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I'm your host, Mari Roden. Did you know that PG&E has competition? And not only from Sonoma Clean Power, the city of Ukiah is a member of an electric utility cooperative along with 16 other municipalities in Northern California and has been for decades. What does it mean to be part of an electric utility cooperative? How did it come about? And how does it affect Ukiah's green energy footprint? Let's step back for a minute and survey the big picture. Electricity production is the second largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. Approximately 63% of our electricity nationally comes from non-renewable fossil fuels. In light of our federal government's failure to enact comprehensive climate legislation, municipalities across the country have begun to take matters into their own hands. California was one of the first states to do this. Our legislature back in 2002 passed a law to allow the creation of community choice aggregators or CCAs. As community choice aggregators allow communities that establish them to assert local control over their electricity sources generally obtaining greener power than what is offered by the default utility, in our case, PG&E. CCAs are established by local governments, cities, counties, or sometimes mixes of cities and counties. The larger the population base of the CCA, the better, because the CCA, the Community Choice Aggregator, aggregates demand giving it leverage to negotiate for more green energy and better rates than the default utility. But CCAs only purchase power. The transmission and distribution of that electricity is still done by PG&E, the publicly owned utility. With the establishment of Sonoma Clean Power, which is a community choice aggregator serving Sonoma and Mendocino counties, everyone in our county unless they opted out or are residents of the city of Ukiah, which we'll get into in a moment, are receiving electricity that was sourced and procured by Sonoma Clean Power, not PG&E. Since California's legislation passed to allow community choice aggregation, 19 CCAs have sprouted up around the state. So I've mentioned the advantages of community choice aggregators um, the advantages including the ability for communities to elect to use more green energy and to get better rates typically than the default public utility. But there are a couple of other interesting benefits. Community choice aggregators that purchase power from sustainable energy pr projects located close to the communities they serve, like for example, the geysers in Middletown, that improves power security and system resiliency by decreasing dependence on the transmission grid. 
This could be vital for our region during public safety power shutoffs and fires. The city of Ukiah is not part of Sonoma Clean Power, but it is a member of something similar. Ukiah is one of 16, or the city of Ukiah is one of 16 members of the Northern California Power Authority, an electric utility cooperative. NCPA was established in 1968 by a consortium of locally owned electric utilities to make joint investments in energy resources that would ensure an affordable, reliable, and clean supply of electricity for customers in its member communities. NCPA is organized as a not-for-profit public entity whose policies are set not by investors, but by locally elected or appointed officials who serve as the energy regulators in the cities, towns, and districts that are its that are members. Here to discuss NCPA, Northern uh, California Power Authority, and explain it in much more detail, um, <clears throat> are Mel Grandi. He's the Electric Utility Director for the City of Ukiah, and Cindy Sowers, the Assistant Utility Director for the City of Ukiah. Also joining us is 4th District Supervisor Dan Jurdy. Dan is working to increase our region's use of local renewable energy sources, and we'll get into more of that later in the show. First, I'd like to address Cindy and Mel. Um, please introduce yourselves. Please give us a bit of your personal and professional histories and backgrounds, and how each of you came to be directors of the city's electric utility. Well, good morning. Well, good morning, Mari, and, and uh, listening audience. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here this morning to talk to you all. This is a subject that I've had 41 years of experience in, and I wouldn't be in this industry unless I loved it. And it's just a fascinating industry that's ever-changing. A short history in my background, I graduated from UC Davis with an engineering degree, started out with nuclear engineering and worked a few years in nuclear engineering and found that uh, that wasn't for me. And so then I went to General Electric and did startup testing and that was excellent. It gave me a wide variety of experience and testing experience and then last 25 years has been in the electric utility industry. 12 of which has been here. And so th that that's a brief overview of mine and Cindy. Good morning. Thank you, Marty, for having us. Uh, I too am an electrical engineer. I don't have quite as much experience as Mel, uh, but I started off my career in the communications industry. And then um, that didn't last long until I got to the fun stuff and, and started in power distribution. Uh, after a stint at the copper mines in Arizona, I ended up here at the city of Ukiah, where we, um, where we are our own municipal electric utility. We are a full-service electric utility. Uh, we cover all aspects of planning, engineering, and construction uh, to serve power to Ukiah residents. We do all of this in-house here within the city. So it's just a pleasure to be here, and we thank you very much for this opportunity. Thanks to you both. What is the history of U City of Ukiah having its own full-service mu municipal utility, and how does it relate to the Northern California Power Authority? 
it seems like such a progressive organization, you know, to have this uh, NCPA, and yet it was established 50 years ago, long before local control and electric power security and renewable energy portfolios were on our radar. Yes, Mari, I'm going to answer part of that question. And it really started long ago. But one of the things I want to mention beforehand, uh, you were mentioning about the CCAs and and abilities to procure more green energy. All utilities are divided in two different fashions, the distribution system, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's divided two different sections, distribution and all the activities you see, the hardware you see. The other side of it is the resource side. So what I wanna make a point of, all utilities have the same opportunity to become green. And the city of Ukiah has early on decided to be green with renewable projects like the hydroelectric and investments in other projects through NCPA that we'll talk about. So we're running right at 70% carbon free. It varies year to year depending on our mixes of energy, but we've purchased hardware that produces on an average year about 70% of, of carbon-free generation. So our citizens, we're not burning diesel or fuel to make our electricity. The uh, So back in the 1800s and specifically 1892, and this is common to every utility that I know of, the 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 in the 1800s generators were started and generators started producing energy and they didn't know what to do with this energy exactly other than lighting and everyone's heard of edison lighting and i'm proud to be part of this organization to give this history but the it started out in 1892 with 20 street lights inside the city of ukiah Ukiah contracted with a private company to provide streetlights, and it's from a steam engine. So the, I, the articles don't indicate what was being burned in that steam engine. It could have been wood fuel. It could have been, and they, they, part of the contract is putting up incandescent lighting. So 1892, it all started on a privately city-endorsed uh, street lighting project. And that evolved into March of 1899, just right at the turn of the century. That's when the city took formal action to start a distribution system. And that distribution system included more street lights, included lighting in the homes, because when people saw the streets being lit, guess what's next? they wanted to be lit inside the home. They want to stay up a little later instead of using some kind of oil lamp or something that's dirty. They could use this electricity. And it, it was interesting that the, the articles talk about safety and the safety that they were considering safe was nothing near what we consider safe today. They were, they were talking about kids hanging on the bare wires and, and, and being safe up to 600 volts, which is <laughs> ludicrous. You know, touching 600 volts will, will, will put you in the hospital, if not kill you. So, so it's interesting, the safety standards. And part of it is for our linemen, the IBW was created because of this. Because there was a misunderstanding about electricity. Even the White House was... Wait, IBW? What's IBW? Thank you. International Brotherhood Electrical Union. That's our bargaining unit. But it's really started out 
under safety. In the 20s and 30s, 50% of the linemen, the people working on the lines, were killed every year. They, they had so much fatalities in this, the, the linemen created a bargaining unit that basically was to bring up safety factors. And that's how we evolved and become safe over time. And, and so they've done an excellent job of, of moving forward and keeping employers aware of safety elements and, and basically uh, uh, making it a safe work environment for employees. So, so in March of 1899, we started a formal electric utility, and that's what we're a part of today. And that evolved through the years of load growth. Either new customers came on the system and we had to build lines to the new customers or those added loads. And you can imagine what air conditioning did because up until air conditioning, most of the loads were just lighting loads and slight heating loads. But when the when air conditioning came in in the 40s and 50s, that just added more load to the system and the system had to be rebuilt. Yes, Excuse me, Mel, I just have a, a question. You said back in the late 1800s when the city of Ukiah first contracted with some entity to provide the, the street lighting, uh, and that was the beginning uh, of this city having its own utility. Um, other cities were in existence at that point. I'm sure San Francisco and other cities in, in California, and, and in, let's just talk about California. Um, how did, what did they do? Why? why at what point did the city of Ukiah diverge from what other cities were doing when they became members and joined a public utility? That, I'm curious how we became different. Well, all all the utilities, you know, it's evolving technology. It's like we're going through right now evolving technology of carbon to electric, uh, electric cars and, and that kind of issue. <clears throat> It's an evolution. And so right at the turn of the century, and I can talk to a couple cities like Lodi and Santa Clara, both of those cities became municipal cities right within a three-year window, 1897, 1898, right in there. And we came in 1899. So we weren't one of the first ones, but it's all grouped together in a five to eight-year window. Most of these cities saw the advantages or they had the, the local um, uh the governing body saw the advantages of running it themselves. And the, the, one of the biggest advantages is that you or any of the members on this call or the public can call me or Cindy anytime. If you call my desk phone at 2 a.m. in the morning, you'll get my cell phone and I'll answer it if I hear it. So, but, but you have local control. Yeah, and and not only local control, that's kind of a buzzword. You know, our city council directs us and set policy, but also we're here and we care because we see people in the grocery store that we make decisions that's going to impact and they can share their thoughts, experiences. I had a tree tree issue this morning. A customer called up about a tree. He, he had a tree trimming company come out that couldn't get into the lines. The tree had a dead branch that he wanted to get rid of. So we're out there right now looking at it. And so we're fairly responsive. We're in the area and we do care. And so that customer service is important. But many of the utilities started out with street lights that I know of, the ones I know of have that I looked into it because that was the most simplest thing. You know, Edison Electric came out with a light bulb. 
And and even though motors, some of the first motors, three phase motors date back to the early 1800s. Uh, they weren't started up until the late 1800s. So motors and loads, but see, that's how we evolved. We started out with lighting, putting them in houses, then businesses caught on and processes came on that added motor loads and, and like air conditioning. And so, and even today, things change. We improve the motor efficiencies, new technologies of materials in the motors, so they become more efficient and more cost-effective. So... Mel, when did these cities that uh, began to evolve to their, have their own utilities band together and form a cooperative? And what are the, the municipalities that, that formed to become Northern California Power Authority? Well, that's an excellent question. So this evolution started with generally local generation. All the cities had some kind of generation locally and they could be able to supply their loads. But as the loads increased, they needed to bring in power from other locations. And what what we found was that those severe, in the late 40s, 50s, 60s, those severe market abuses, meaning to bring power in from Sierra Nevadas or the Central Valley or uh, one of the hydro facilities was very expensive because of market abuses. The owners of these lines would charge 100 times what it was valued at. And so the cities, all the cities, at least the ones that were involved in Northern California Power Agency were seeing that same activity and we band together to to form an alliance called Northern California Power Agency to fight those abuses. And that was the origination of NCPA, is to work with other utilities, particularly privately owned utilities, to make energy more affordable, to bring it into our cities through that pipeline, if you will. And so, so, the that- so was it that, the, let me just, I think I heard you say that the owners of the lines back in the day were were marking up the price of power re- a lot and and making it you know more expensive than uh, these municipalities were able to um, achieve lower costs when they procured their own power and worked together to do that. Is that right? No, it, it was a combination of that and a lot of the cities like Ukiah had resources other locations. So we could we could buy we can contract energy from today's I don't know what power plants are online then but we can contract energy from uh, Mount Shasta and we can bring it in. Well, we had to bring it in over the uh, privately owned utility power lines at a high markup. That high markup made the energy inefficient, you know, right. not cost effective, and it was it was it was counter. Um, productive even using those lines and so uh, so basically initially 15 cities got together and formed northern california power agency and today that's evolved into 17 cities but also they have additional members and participants on projects that are separate outside the membership but today the cities and and municipal cities in california 
And, and since, you know, I said Northern California Power Agency, there's also a Southern California Power Agency that meets the needs in Southern California the same way. Between the two organizations, the municipals in California serve about 25% of the load in California. And the biggest one of Northern California Power Agency is Santa Clara. They're the biggest load entity. But the members, and goes in our membership reaches down to Lompoc. Lompoc's uh, about double our size in customers, but about our same load. But Lompoc, Santa Clara, Palo Alto, City of Lodi, which I worked for 20 years, um, Alameda, Port of Oakland, BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, they're a not a necessarily a generation, but they're a load and uh, load source. Uh, City of Roseville, City of Hillsburg, Ukiah, us, uh, Gridley, Biggs, Truckee Donner. Now, Truckee Donner is not a municipal. They're a uh-oh. co-op. Co-op. They're a co-op. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Cindy. And then um, Redding and Pluma Sierra. So those are the members today. But it started out with it started out with. off the hook it's one of your customers now you better answer <laughs> I might have to okay the, the I'm sorry for that the uh, uh, in, in, it started out with Hillsburg and Ukiah I know was founding member of NCPA and matter of fact the city manager from Hillsburg was one of the general managers of NCPA for years and and so it evolved we have participation uh every monthly participation between all the members so we know what the members are doing we're we're combining resources we're part of ncba provides many functions for us and we can buy into the functions both legislative functions but also on the resource side they have a resource mix and for instance the geothermal project that's about 110 megawatts of generation that NCPA owns. We receive and participated in the project and receive about 40% of our energy from the geothermal uh, sites now. And we receive about from our own hydroelectric, we receive about 10%. Then also there's, there's, we call it spinning and non-spinning reserve. We receive another 20% approximately from our hydroelectric facilities up by uh, Murphy's, California, referred to off the Stanislaus River. We have two hydroelectric facilities up there that we receive power from. And then also the Lode Energy Center that was built in 2012. And the Lode Energy Center was built for a couple reasons. One was for renewables, actually. Because we see all this, uh, what was it called? The uh, the uh, the alerts that we're getting, Cindy. Oh, the flex alerts. The flex, flex alerts. alerts. They're yes. due primarily to the lack of generation availability as the solar declines in the evening, and so when the solar is coming off, you have about thirteen thousand megawatts of solar going away and nothing to fill in, and so these that Lodi Energy Center is a fast start. Uh, gas turbine that we can crank up and run to counter that decline decline of uh, resource, and so so and we get about five 
five to five, excuse me, five to six percent off the Lodi Energy Center also. No, uh, we have a Dan Jurdy on the line. I feel that this is a good time to bring him in because you were mentioning geothermal uh, projects that that the city of Ukiah or uh, Northern California Power Agency is is using. Um, and uh, so, Dan, could you tell us about the work that you're doing to try to increase um, the Mendocino and, and Sonoma County's clean energy portfolio? Yeah, hi, thanks, Mari. And, and uh, hi, Mel, you're giving a fascinating history of, of power sourcing in California and Northern California, and I really admire what the city of Ukiah has uh, done over the years and, and um, continue to do. And um, so I, I'm just, you know, a county supervisor, sort of a general generalist, you know, work on every single topic you can think of and a few others you can't. And um, but one of my, um, you know, uh, roles is I'm representing the board on the Sonoma Clean Power Board. So Sonoma Clean Power, as you mentioned, it's a community choice aggregator. So it, it purchases power. Um, and the goal in creating some clean power uh, in Sonoma County, their goal was to um, to create a greener, a cleaner energy source than PG&E was offering customers um, at competitive prices. They worked from in Sonoma County from about 2011 to 2015 uh, or 14 to get it online, to actually get the um, nonprofit up and running, the Joint Powers Authority that that the cities and the county created down there. Our county, Mendocino County, voted in October of 2016 to join them, and county customers outside of the cities uh, received power from some clean power beginning outside of the city of Ukiah, um, received power beginning of June of 2017. At that time, about 78% of some clean power's power sources were carbon-free. Um, since then, they've been able to increase it to about 91%. Um, and uh, one of the um, ideas that Sonoma Clean Power's staff is is working on um, is, and it's uh, you know, uh, it's in its infancy, but basically they're trying to figure out how to close that nine percent gap um, of carbon uh, producing sources of power. Um, uh, as Mel talked about, there's there's a difficulty in providing power twenty four seven because you can't just have solar in the night unless you have a very expensive battery system. So that's probably not feasible in the short run um, to have everybody relying on batteries to get through the night. So they're looking at enhancing, um, and this is through contracts, because again, some clean power just hires or purchases power, but they're looking at um, working with others. Um, and, and I think it'd be great if they were working with um, City of Ukiah, City of Healdsburg, and the uh, their association to um, further develop the geothermal fields in um, Mendocino Lake and Sonoma um, counties. Um, as Snow Clean Power, Power staff has discussed, apparently there's some newer technologies that have been out for maybe 10, 20 years um, that could rely on less um, water. Some of the geothermal um, facilities rely on uh, recycled wastewater from the city of Santa Rosa and Lake County. Um, these newer technologies are a little more closed loop, re require much less water, and could be, um, and, and the concept is they could develop a bigger field of geothermal, producing more power, and um, it could benefit all of us in Northern California with, um, you know, a, 
with more green, um, clean uh, energy. So um, anyway, I had a you've had a very brief conversation with Mel yesterday, and um, I'm hoping that um, the county of Mendocino, which just adopted a, a resolution, the board adopted a resolution last month. Um, saying that we want to invest uh, an initial $2 million, and it's not that much money in the overall scheme of things, but it's a start um, towards trying to move the county of Mendocino to um, a carbon-free operator. So it's uh, we're looking at making our buildings more energy efficient and transitioning from natural gas to electricity um, and and transitioning our, our fleet from gasoline and diesel over to uh, electric as electric vehicles become price competitive and, and and eventually they'll take over the market. Let me uh, just pause here for a moment in case you've just tuned in. This is Citizen U, a forum for exploring in depth local government and related issues to increase your civic literacy and your ability to be an effective participant in local democracy. I'm your host, Mari Roden. Today we're talking about green electricity in Mendocino County. My guests are Mel Grandi and Cindy Sires. Both of them are utility directors from the city of Ukiah. And we have Dan Jurdy, our fourth district supervisor. So Mel or Cindy, um, I'm wondering if you could re uh, respond or, or discuss these issues that Dan has just raised around uh, increasing uh, our, uh, our being the city of Ukiah's uh, carbon, decreasing our carbon footprint by increasing our use of locally generated power. How, how could that work? Oh, it definitely can. And after our conversation yesterday, I was energized by his enthusiasm to move forward with this because Dan, Dan brought up some good points that we need to explore as a community every resource, every opportunity. We're looking at uh, building a, a ten, uh, planning on a 10-acre solar farm here in Ukiah, and not tomorrow, but we buy the land and resource the land so it's earmarked for solar. The, the, the part of our problem is, it's not necessarily a problem, but challenge is the cost-effectiveness of the option so you know we could go batteries tomorrow but it's so prohibitively costly to go batteries we don't do it and that's why we treat every project and we're looking at various projects through ncpa but there's an advantage of being local being local you you get away from some of the charges to bring power into Ukiah. It's called TAC charges, transmission access charges. That adds about 30, 30 to 50% of the cost of not bringing it in, but it varies and there's efforts to change that TAC charge. The, and the other part is that local resiliency. If we can have the resource here, either it be solar or some kind of, uh, 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 of other type of technology that we can have close to our distribution systems, then we not only avoid the tack, but we can make it resilient so that if the other the other utilities or even Ukiah does have an actual PSPS, we can keep the power on and manage well, the, that resource better. Yeah, there are two interesting things that come to mind about that. One is probably many listeners don't know that the city of Ukiah has 
we own a hydroelectric power plant at Lake Mendocino. So that is an example of locally generated power increases our risk. So I want you to please talk a little bit about the hydroelectric plant and how the drought is, is affecting our use of that, A. And then B, the fact that we own, we being, sorry, the city of Ukiah, and I feel a member of that family, so I keep saying we, but uh, the fact that the city of Ukiah owns its transmission lines within the city limits, how that also increases resiliency. Um, so could you talk about those two things, please? Yes, Either and, and first I'll address your comment about we. The city customers own our electric utility. So it's we are all in this together of operating, owning, and managing an electric utility resource for the community. So every citizen has a part ownership in this. It's not that there's some uh, stockholder someplace that it's invested. Our, our customers invest into our utility. And, and I think foremost, we have a hierarchy of issues that we make decisions on. And, and one of them is diversity. You asked about how the hydroelectrics performing this year. It's still operating. It's uptime. It's been outside of maintenance. It's been up at 100%. And we're lucky we have two units out there and we are operating one unit at a time. And if one unit has a problem, we can switch to the other unit. So the uptime is 100%. But as all hydroelectric facilities in the state of California, we're at about 50% uh, normal capacity we have reduced load. So that's caused us to go out and buy more energy somewhere else and basically off the market right now because it's a short-term uh, fix for uh, this issue. And and so that's why we don't have 100% hydro because if we had 100% invested in 100% hydro, we would be 50% short of our energy and would have to scurry to go get energy somewhere else. So that's why one of our high priorities is diversity in the resource mix. So if if we're into solar and clouds come over, we have other resources that can fill it in instantaneously. And that's why some of the gas turbines. Now, some gas turbines are beneficial. Oddly enough, the state of California, through the California Independent System Operator, which is the one that controls the grid, they require us to be connected to the grid to have 15, and this year they changed it to 18% reserve capacity. Well, reserve capacity is very expensive. So we use gas turbines that are never run, basically. They run three to six hours a year, but they're there on standby just in case we need it. Cost us very little to have them there because they're fully paid off and they're just a maintenance issue. but they meet the criteria of being a reserve capacity. So if one of our hydro facilities go down or some other resource goes down, we can rely on that resource to back in. And when it's not running, it doesn't cost us anything and it meets their requirement. Otherwise we have to go and purchase real energy to have and not use it. Mm -hmm. How does the fact that we, the city of Ukiah is a member of this cooperative Northern California Power Agency affect the city of Ukiah during a PG&E public safety power shutoff? Uh, that's a good question. The 
we have resources uh, all over the state of California that we schedule into the transmission grid. So basically, we're telling the, the grid operators that the city of Ukiah is going to pull certain amounts of energy off the grid. Through NCPA, when there's a P, no, you're talking about PSPS, right? Public safety power cut off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If those are to occur on a transmission line, uh, the Cal ISO gets notified and Cal ISO notifies as NCPA. And Wait, Cal, so that's the, it, that's the entity that controls the grid. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just to translate. Okay. Yeah. Because Go ahead. The PG&E just cannot shut off that line. They have to coordinate with the Cal ISO because where does the power go if they have excess power? Having not enough power is one issue. Having too much power by shutting off the load is a bigger issue, oddly enough. So you have both issues. It has to be just right. The generation has to match the load at all times. You cannot have the two different. So, so... So PG&E's done an outstanding job. When you hear about PSPSs, they typically are, I would say, upwards of 90, 95% distribution lines. The smaller lines you see near your house typically that have uh, three wires on a pole. And the problem with those, they're lower to the ground, they're, they're closer together, and typically since they're lower to the ground, the vegetation has grown over them, so tree limbs can fall or trees can fall on them. Versus the city of Ukiah gets power from not 12,000 volt lines, but 60,000 volt lines that come in from Williams and come in from Santa Rosa. And we're part of a loop. And that loop is a higher voltage, first of all. Second, it's much higher up in the air, and the vegetation is cut back much more. Now, PG&E has re-rated their northern feed, the one that caused us the problem for four days. We had, a, a about three years ago, we had the Kincaid fire that it caused us a four-day outage in Ukiah. That fire shut off the southern line, basically. But at the same time, we had a PSPS on the northern line. Now we had two, two, that's double contingency. Usually we always plan for one contingency. One thing can take us, not take us out, but we can have a problem. So we had a double and fire to the south that took out the south. To the north, we had a PSPS. Well, they're doing more vegetation control on the south for that line. On the north, pg is upgraded. This is part of their improvement project because it not only affects the city of Ukiah, that northern line affects the whole coast. Fort Bragg up and down the coast, and uh, they have upgraded that line. And the last time I heard about a year ago was that that upgraded. They looked at with that upgrade. They looked back ten years of all weather data, and to see if it had an impact triggering a PSPS on that line. And the answer was no. So even that four-day outage that we had caused by the PSPS, today we could have the exact same wind conditions and it wouldn't cause the PSPS because they have created the lines. Mm-hmm. And and so we're in much better shape. All right. Thank you, Mel. In case you just tuned in, I just want to remind listeners, this is Citizen U, a forum for exploring local government-related issues to increase your civic literacy.
I'm your host, Mari Roden, and today we're talking about the City of Ukiah's Municipal Utility green and Green Electricity in Mendocino County. My guests are Mel Grandi and Cindy Sawyers and Dan Jurdy, 4th District Supervisor. Cindy is the Assistant Utility Director from the City of Ukiah, and I haven't heard much from Cindy yet, and I have a specific question for you. Um, okay. I wonder if you could talk about the transmission lines. So I understand that within the city of Ukiah, we, the city owns those transmission lines. And I'm curious how that evolved, how that works, and you know what responsibilities that places on the city of Ukiah to maintain them and, and so on. And, and then the other part of that is do the other members of the, the cooperative, Northern California Power Agency, do those municipalities also own their transmission lines, or is the city of Ukiah unique? Sure, absolutely. Um, so transmission is is the higher voltage, as Mel mentioned, and and we take our our transmission at 115 kilovolts, 115,000 volts. We own a very small, it's about a quarter of a mile transmission line and that we do maintain and operate. And then the majority of the lines that you see within the city of Ukiah are all distribution lines. That's all at 12,000 volts. That's what, what uh, you see out in front of your house and then that you see this little can on the, on the pole and that's your transformer that takes it down to the voltage that we actually feed your house. Um, and as a municipal utility, we are responsible for maintaining all of that and keeping it up to code and uh, making it resilient and, uh, and in good working order to minimize outages and, and problems for our customers. All the other utilities uh, have their own distribution systems as well. And when, when you look at the the transmission system overall, we do take transmission, as Mel mentioned, from, from several places all, all over Northern California. And that, that energy is brought in to a substation down on Babcock Lane, and then, and then we take over from there with our transmission and, and distribution into the city. And uh, it's, a, it's a big responsibility. I, I have to hand it to our staff. We have an incredible staff here in the electric utility. And um, over the years, uh, particularly since Mel has come, we have had an extremely aggressive uh, capital improvement plan that has really worked to improve our system and has, has made um, just incredible uh, improvements in our system. And so I think that uh, it's, it's a huge responsibility. It takes tremendous, uh, a tremendous skill set. Uh, you see these guys out all hours of the night uh, maintaining the uh, maintaining the the power lines and um and so it's it's a great responsibility we're proud to do it and we're, we're proud to be here to serve our customers in this in in the construction aspect as well as as uh engineering and design mm -hmm. so the city of ukiah is the employer then right of of all this so i mean yes. that's interesting how the city of ukiah you know on top of you know taking care of parks and having a police department and all that has an electric utility. Um, so I know that it operates as an enterprise fund. Could you please explain to the listeners what that means? So how, how does the city of Ukiah manage financially this incredible responsibility of, of electric that, utility? That's a great question. And as, as you all know, at the end of every month, you get your electric bill and you pay that. Uh, 
and uh, that that helps fund the electric utility. Uh, and we we have a, a capital improvement program, and that uh, that helps fund uh, the, the rate payers fund the you know all the work that we do and and our staff. We have a staff of about twenty. Mm -hmm. I understand Great. maybe we have a caller. So Yeah, we had a, we had a caller and we're happy to take calls. The the number uh in the studio is eight nine five two four four eight. And if you want to call back, we will um make a make an opening for oh, you. Got it. Dan, do you have the, anything you want oh Cindy, were you finished yet? Uh were you finished? I, I was. I was. I, I yes, absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What, yes, um, Mari, um, one thing that might oh, be yeah. Wait, excuse me, Dan, we have oh. a caller. Let, let's take the call. Caller, you're on the line? Caller? Oh, yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. Actually, this is very, no. very informative. I'm learning a lot. I don't lot, hear the caller, so uh, Dan, go ahead. Utility infrastructure. Well, one thing that might be of interest listeners is um, just understanding how they can um, make their own, either their business or their residence, um, just more energy efficient. And um, the thermal clean power, because that's one of our missions, is, is to reduce our our footprint on the planet is um, um, Snow Clean Power secured a grant from basically all utility ratepayers in California, and sure, including the city of Ukiah ratepayers, um, that helps pay for what's called the Advanced Energy Center, and it's now open to the public, and mm -hmm. so you don't have to you could be a, you could be a consumer in Ukiah and, and go there, um, and it's at uh, 741 Fourth Street. The idea of the Advanced Energy Center is to just educate, um, you know, property owners, uh, renters on how they can um, just make their their living space or their business more energy efficient. So there's, you'll see, um, and, and it'll it'll develop over time. But you'll see um, just more energy efficient products. Um, you'll learn about rebates that exist. Um, so anyway, so I just invite um, anybody to, uh, if they're in Santa Rosa, to go there. You can park on Fifth Street. It, anyway, again, it's at Seven Forty One Fourth Street, and um, but they also have information online um, under SCP for Snow Clean Power Advanced Energy Center dot org, um, so you can learn a little bit more online as well. Cindy or Mel, uh, I have a question about the city of Ukiah's incentives for for uh, being, you know, energy efficient. Is it similar? Does Is the city's utility similar to Sonoma Clean Power and PG&E and offering rebates and that sort of thing? Yeah. Yes. Cindy, let's It is. It is. You know, and Dan reminded me, and I don't think we brought it up, but yes, it is. We monitor other utilities, and we're revising them right now. But, you know, we have customer programs that are pretty common with all the utilities of conservation audits. We'll come out to your house and do a conservation. Now, COVID restrained some of that. And I wanted to add in, Cindy talked about our crews working tonight. Because of COVID, 
we started working at night more to it lessly impact customers because it is hard to do your computer at home and work from home when your power's out. So we started doing work at night in various areas to avoid those inconveniences. But getting back to the customer program, you know, we have uh, conservation audits that's in the building, going through your building. We've done uh, several. We've replaced insulation in 500 homes here in Ukiah for low income. We went into low income and upgraded insulation on the attic insulation. Rebates and qualified uh, fixtures. We have rebates for uh, many rebates, but we're increasing those also, particularly in fuel conversion. If you're replacing gas furnace, we want to uh, give a more ex- a, a better rebate in that conversion. So you have more money to do that conversion into electric and reduce carbon footprint. And then low income programs. We have various types of programs for low income. Also uh, bill assistance with that. Mm-hmm. And and you can, all you have to do is go to the city's website and we have a list of all the programs and rebates that are available. So, so please check that out. Mm-hmm. All right. We figured out the problem with the, why we couldn't hear the caller, uh, but we're available to take your call. We have a few minutes. Uh, caller, you're on air. Yeah. Can you hear me now? We do. Okay. Yeah. My question. Uh, first off, I want to compliment the, the uh, this program. Very informative. My question is regarding the um, uh, distribution within the city of Ukiah. Uh, comparing that with PG&E, who is actively involved in vegetation management around their lines and replacing poles and equipment. And I want to go down to Ukiah. I'm a retired electrician, but I look up in the air and see a lot of aging things. And I was wondering if if the city could grade themselves regarding this, because I don't want to really criticize. I don't know that much about it. But uh, how would you grade yourself in terms of keeping up uh, with the maintenance of uh, this aging, possibly aging infrastructure? I'll hang up. Thank you. Great question. So, uh, Mel or Cindy? Did you want to try that? Well, well, let, let me start out. And I appreciate the question. I hope you didn't hang up because you might have a follow-up question. We do frequent inspections, and we expanded in just before PSPS hit. We started expanding our inspections to uh, thermal. And we've looked at all the lines thermally, but also we have a drone now that we're going to be inspecting the line. So it's triple inspection, the visual inspection, a performance inspection that we're monitoring the loading on the lines. And then also we have a pole testing program that we do every 10 years, and that yields about, oh, I would say 100 poles, 150 poles that we need replacing over time. So we're constantly maintaining the system, and that that reflects in our outage numbers. We have very few outage related to equipment failure. It does occur, but it's very few a year. Where we have outages, it's uh, birds and squirrels are the biggest outages. So so I think we do an outstanding job in maintenance. Uh, we can't be every place at every moment. So if you see something that looks unusual, we'll be right out to look at it. Just give us a call. And and the, that's on the website, and it's 463-6228. And you can report any kind of problem on that line, and we'll be out. And that's, again, 463-6228. 
and I, I think we do a great job. Uh, part of what we're doing that helps with this maintenance is we're rebuilding the system. The system was built one style that didn't basically, when an outage happened, you had to fix whatever was damaged. Because a lot of times these animals will damage something. So when you have a flashover, so we're out there fixing it. But we're rebuilding the system where we can isolate it and bring the power back on. So part of that rebuild, we've done the north area pretty well, uh, northwest area very well, that that it rebuilds the system automatically. But it's an ongoing effort. Every year we have about $2 million in the budget to do upgrades and maintenance mm-hmm. upgrades. Thanks, Mel. We're uh, closing in on 10 o'clock. So I'd like to ask uh, Dan, Jerdy, and uh, Cindy Sowers, and Mel each, is there anything else that you would like to mention that you haven't had an opportunity? Um, let's start with um, Dan Jerdy. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Just just briefly that I think uh, we have a tremendous opportunity here in Mendocino County in Northern California to um, continue closing the gap on on our carbon footprint and and eliminate it um you know our our electric sources here in northern california are very clean um much cleaner than the national average um and and we can um by convert and then converting over to electric um from gas natural gas or or gas gasoline and diesel vehicles over to electric vehicles you know we can dramatically um, uh, reduce our, our carbon footprint and, and actually go to net zero right. within our lifetimes. Right. Yeah, we we in Sonoma and Mendocino counties are uniquely positioned because of, because of the community choice aggregator of Sonoma County Power and um, the city of Ukiah's own electric utility to, to do that, to accomplish that. Cindy, is there anything you'd like to add quickly? Just just one quick thing, and that's uh, in addition to tag on to Mel's last answer, we also have uh, a significant, about a $4 million grant that we received from FEMA to help with additional um, work and resiliency and fire mitigation on the lines. And that, so so there will be, there's even more work forthcoming. We're constantly trying to improve our system and, and we're going to even continue to do more. And so I just wanted to mention that. That's exciting. I, I didn't know about that. Thanks for mentioning that. Mel, anything else you'd like to add? And, and maybe that phone number oh, again. People want to contact the cities of Ukiah's electric utility. And, and yes. So in short, Dan brought up a good couple good points coupled with yours. One, yes, well, might be the electric industry is the most, uh, uh, second most carbon producing industry. But if you look at Mendocino County and its resource mix, we are bottom very close to the lower end of it. If we keep proceeding to 100% uh, carbon free, we're going to be the most. And so if we can get electric cars into that mix and we can supply them with 100% free carbon free energy, that would be great. And with regards to resource center, Roseville has a wonderful resource center. I'm glad to hear Sonoma Clean Power is doing one. We are kind of looking at a different option. We're looking at, because we're kind of remote, I see facilities available in the Sacramento area that we're creating a resource center for renewable energy projects. So if you're a homeowner, we envision that we're going to have a demonstration facility and where we partner with contractors in the area that we can provide energy 
to and provide services and provide solar and provide batteries to our local customers and businesses. So Great. that's all I have. Thank you, Mel. Um, so if people want to get a hold of the city of Ukiah uh, electric utility directors, what number would they call? Uh, two numbers. One is 463-6295. That's my direct line, and that's more an emergency if you want to track me down. And the other number is 467-5711. That's my assistant, and she can schedule a specific time. That's Diane Lucchetti. It's 567-5711. Thank you so much. Stay tuned now for Loose Cannon Classics with Susan Jewell. Thank you for tuning in to Citizen U. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.